Well, good morning and welcome to Front Range. My name is Jackie Yates and I am a Dream Team member. I'm so glad you're joining us here this morning. Um, whether you're joining us here in person or online, we're grateful to have you this morning. Our hope and prayer is that this would become a place, um, this would become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And so I do want to let you know about a couple of things that we have coming up very soon. Um, first, on March 20th, we have another round of Alpha that we're going to be starting. Alpha is designed for those who are exploring their faith or maybe that you're new to your faith and you want to start building those foundations that you need. Alpha would be a great place for you to do that. We're also looking for table leaders. So maybe if you're somebody who's been a believer for a while um, and you want to join in and help other people um, build those foundations, uh, you can do that as well. If you'd like more information, we have a table out in the courtyard and someone from the team out there would love to give you more information about how to join Alpha. Uh, second is super exciting. So as I'm sure you all know, Easter is coming up on April 9th. And this year, um, just like last year, we're going to have one service. It's going to be at 10 a.m. at the Douglas County Event Center. It was super awesome last year. I don't know how many of you were able to join us, but it was an amazing time to come together with um, just almost all of Castle Rock, it seemed like. Um, so uh, invite your friends, invite your neighbors on your chairs when you came in. There's little square invite cards. Take some of those, hand them out invite everybody you know it's going to be an awesome time together so earlier pastor mike he asked us what our favorite movie was um, and i actually wanted to share not just my favorite movie i want to share my top three with you this morning okay so my top three all-time favorite movies are first gone with the wind classic yes thank you for that no one cheered for that in the last service uh gone with the wind i love sound of music um that was another amazing one and then my third favorite is shawshank redemption and, oh so i got way more for that and i know what you're probably thinking like one of these things is not like the other gone with the wind and sound of music don't really fit in the same genre as shawshank redemption but i really do love that movie and i think especially judging by the reaction i just got that most people would say it's at least in their top 10 favorite movies of all time but why why do we love this movie so much well first it's got morgan freeman in it and i think just any movie that has morgan freeman naturally is an amazing movie um, second i think we're just intrigued by this prison lifestyle this idea and this this storyline of andy dufresne that he's wrongly accused for something that he didn't do and he ends up thrown in prison and it's this whole movie around the lifestyle there, the friends that he makes, the trials that he goes through. All of it makes for a great, great storyline. And so this morning, we are going to start a new series called Prayers from Prison where we're going to look at some of the most powerful prayers that were ever prayed or written down for us. They're all written by Paul while he was in prison, and this is the same guy who wrote Romans, which is the series that we just finished last week. And if you missed any part of that series, you can go to our message series hub and watch any of those that you miss. I would encourage you, if you did miss one, to watch it. It was a powerful series. But when we look at Paul's uh, prayers in all of these letters that he wrote, um, we see that he was, they weren't focused on his circumstances or what he was struggling with in the moment. Um, even in his life's worst circumstances, Paul focuses on the people that he loved, the people he cared for, and this is evident in all of the prayers that we read. And today we're going to look at Ephesians, which is Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus. 
And so from what we know, Paul wrote this letter a few years before his death, probably around 60 AD, um, during one of his imprisonments for preaching the gospel. Um, He was telling people about Jesus and how God made a way, kind of like we talked about last week. This was Paul's message to people. And this specific imprisonment, this is why he was there, was for preaching the gospel. And while he was in prison, he wrote letters to all of the churches. And Ephesians was um, written as an encouragement. And this letter um, contains no specific references to um, a specific person or people or specific problems within the Ephesians church. So many people believe that Paul actually intended this letter not to only be just for the Ephesians, but also one that was meant to be circulated through all of the churches. And so today I want to look at the first chapter of Ephesians, starting in verse 15. Paul writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So remember, as Paul is writing this, he's sitting in prison in what I'm sure we can imagine is not super great living situations in the moment. But even in his unpleasant circumstance, Paul isn't thinking about how awful his life is in the moment. He's thinking about the friends that he has, the people that he met through all of his travels. And Paul is praying for them constantly. And I'm thinking that if I was Paul in that moment, my prayer wouldn't be for those people on the outside. My prayer would be, God, help me get out of this. Help me get out of prison. Help make this situation that I'm in way better than it is right now. But that's not what Paul does. Paul prays for the people He cares for, and as we read these prayers, there's a continual message in everything that he says. And this message is one of, this is my prayer for you. Not, this is how I'm asking you to pray for me, but this is my prayer for you. So as we read this today, we want um, what, we ask ourselves, what was that prayer? What is Paul praying for not only the church in Ephesus, but also for us today? What is his prayer for us? So I want to look at three things this morning that Paul prays for us in this section of Scripture. And so Paul's prayer for us first is that we may know God. That we may know God. Paul continues in verse 17 and says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul's prayer is for believers, for us to know God better. And knowing about God is different than actually knowing who God is. It's kind of like when you meet someone for the first time, right? That initial introduction that you have with them, you, you get their name more than likely. You, if they have a spouse, you probably get their spouse's name. If they have kids, you probably get their kids' names. And that's kind of usually it within that first initial meeting. And then what do you do after that? Well, typically, like most people, they go home and they stalk them on social media. And they go through, (laughs) you laugh because you do it. That's why you're laughing. I know I'm not the only one, but you stalk them, right? And you go through all their whole social media profile. And no, no matter how far deep you get into it, no matter how far back you get to that picture of their high school prom in 2005, you still don't know who they are. You might have some basic facts about them. And this is because to really know who somebody is, it requires you to spend time with them. It requires us to get to know them, to get to know their likes, their dislikes, to hear their life story. 
where they started, where they are, where they plan on going, their dreams. That requires quality time with somebody. And so the same holds true with God. When we take the time to spend with him, to read our Bibles, to allow his word to speak over us, to allow him to speak what he wants to share with us through his word, in prayer, having an open communication with him, sharing with him what's going on in our lives, even the bad things, the good things, all of that, having this open, constant communication with him, and then spending time silently in his presence. Not even saying anything, but just taking the time to really listen to what he has to say. There is no substitute for knowing God personally. And in this, Paul also prays that we would have a spirit of revelation. And in the Greek, this word is apocalypsis, which means a spirit received from God disclosing what and how great the benefits of salvation are. So it's through the death of Jesus on the cross, right? It's, this, it's because God loved us so much and because our sin kept us separated from him, kept us out of a personal relationship with him, that God made a way for us to have a relationship with him through Jesus' death on the cross. And when we spend time with him, we, we begin to understand just really how great this love is that he has for us. And this is what changes our lives. And when we know God more, we will actually know ourselves more, too, because when we walk with him and have, and have this open relationship with him, that opens our hearts to have the ability to hear what he's speaking to us, to speak to our true identity, who he says that we are. And the awesome part is, is that God is never too far away. He's always waiting. When you're going through your day, you can just talk with him. That's what prayer is, is a conversation with God. As we invite God into every moment of our lives, we will better understand his love for us, his care for us, the comfort that he offers us, the delight that he takes in us. So this is Paul's prayer for us, that we may know God, and two, that we may have hope. That we may have hope. Ephesians 1, 18, Paul continues, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So the Bible talks about how the heart is where everything flows from. And so what Paul is saying here is that he's praying that our hearts, that everything that we are would be lit up with an understanding, with this knowledge of this hope so that we can, this knowledge so that we can begin to grasp how great this hope is that we have in God. That God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could have a personal relationship with him. And I love that Paul even goes as far as to remind us of God's inheritance, which is us. It's you. It's me. A lot of times when we think about an inheritance, we think about our own, right? We think about what we have in Christ. And that's still great. But I love that Paul takes a different perspective and he points out that we are God's treasure, that we belong to him and that he calls us sons and daughters. And I think about this and I think about my own kids. So we have three kids, Jude, Charlotte, and Olivia. And I love them. They are 
one of the most precious treasures. They are the most precious treasure in my life. I would literally give my life for them. I would do anything for them. My heart only desires what's best for them. They are everything to me. And um, there is nothing in their li- in, in, that they could ever do in their life that would make, them, make me love them less. And so if you have kids or you've been around kids for any amount of time, um, you know that kids make messes. They are professional mess makers. At least my children are. (laughs) And so I can't even count how many times I have spent cleaning the house, putting everything away, making sure everything's in its place, straightening it up, all these things. And it it takes hours, okay? It takes hours to do this. But my sweet, precious babies have this really great talent that they can take what took me hours to do and they can undo it in seconds. It's really miraculous that they can do this. But no matter what they do, how many times they mess up the house that I've already cleaned, or maybe they get in trouble at school, or maybe they're mean to their siblings or they talk back to me, there is nothing now or ever for the rest of their lives that they could ever do, no mistake that's going to be too great, that's going to make me love them less. There is nothing that's going to change their position in my life as my son and my daughters. And that is the way that God sees us. He cares for us and his heart is for us. He he pursues us and he desires the best for us. And there is nothing that we could ever do, no distance that we could ever stray that would be out of his reach. He is never changing his mind about who we are as his sons and his daughters, that he loves and cares for us. So this is the hope that we have. When we know God, our hearts will be opened to the truth of this hope. So this is Paul's prayer for us, that we may know God, that we may have hope, and finally, that we may live in God's power that we may live in God's power. So in verses 17 and 18, Paul's prayer is for, for us is for an understanding and a knowledge. And this understanding and knowledge is for two things. We have, we have understanding and knowledge for one, to, un, to know the hope that we have, and two, so that we would know uh, God's great power and we can understand his power. In Ephesians 1, 19 through 20, Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So the word here for power is the word dunamis. And this is actually the word that we get uh, the word dynamite from. And so a few years back, Uh, I was reminded of the power of dynamite when um, our family, we took a family trip to Mount Rushmore. And I don't know if you've ever been to Mount Rushmore. It seems that people have like very polar opposite opinions of it. Either it's the coolest thing in the world. I love seeing it. I love going to it. Or why would you even travel there? It's boring. (laughs) Faces on a mountain. And so I'm going to be honest. I was that person who was like, why are we vacationing to go see this? This is just faces on a mountain. I would rather go anywhere else, but um, we went. It was a great time, and our son Jude, he loves history. 
History is his jam. He gets that from his father. That is not me. But they love to read history things, watch history things. It's really boring. Um, so while we were there, they had this museum. And so, of course, we had to go walk through the museum. And Jude had to read every single word on every single plaque. And it took forever. And it was, but if he loved it. It was great. Um, he had a great time. But what was really cool, and I'm glad we actually did it, is because what seemed really boring to me, just looking at a mountain, once I actually got to see the history of it and how it was made, it kind of made Mount Rushmore a little more um, spectacular to me. So I don't know how many of you know how Mount Rushmore was made, but 90% of the carving was done with dynamite. Um, they would take, um, men would go up, they would uh, make, cut precise sizes of, you know, dynamite charges, and they would stick them to make very precise carvings. I don't know that precise and dynamite typically go together, but in this moment they did. So they would make precise um, carvings and they would, you know, set them off and blow it up and that's all super great, but I really feel like the margin of error on this is really great. Like, what if you made a mistake? You put too much dynamite in there, and then you blew off George Washington's nose. You can't come back from that. That's a big whoops. But this is what they did. Um, and what's even crazier about this is that in the 14 years of construction, not a single person died. Like, that seems as dangerous as that seems, not a single person died. So that's pretty cool, too. But... Um, like, really think about this situation, right? So I have a picture here of what Mount Rushmore looked before um, construction. So just plain, boring, nothing to see here. And then I have a picture of what we have now. This is the Mount Rushmore we all know and love now. Super wonderful. But it, like, when you look at that, you may still look at that and think, well, that's still pretty boring. I don't need to travel. I've seen it. But um, think about how it was made that the power of dynamite took something so ordinary and made it into something extraordinary. And this is Paul's prayer for us, that we would live in this power that God has for us, this power that has the power to transform us, just like dynamite transformed this plain mountainside into something so cool, so extraordinary, so special. This is what God does for our lives. He sees something that even just looking at the beginning stages of Mount Rushmore, it was so boring. Yet someone looked at it and said, hey, this would be really cool to put this on here, to have the vision for that. That's what God sees with our lives. What we may see as a mess or something boring or something not special, God sees as something special and it's his power in our lives that changes us. It changes our, our, how we live our lives. And think about this. This is the, the same power that we're talking about is the power that created the heavens and the earth, that spoke everything we see into existence. And as Paul reminds us, this is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so if the death of Christ is a supreme demonstration of the love of God, then the resurrection of Christ is the supreme demonstration of his power. And it's this very same power that is available to us and can change our lives. When we live in God's power, it doesn't mean that our circumstances are going to change. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through trials because that's just life. Those happen. But when we live in God's power, it means that we shift our perspective in our circumstances. 
that we no longer live in, live in this, well, everything keeps happening. It just keeps hitting me harder and harder and harder, and I'm just a victim, and why do I keep losing? And we no longer uh, see our circumstances in that way. When we live in God's power, we begin to live in a way that we understand that we can live through a place of victory. That God is over all, and there is nothing outside of the reach of his power, and he has the power to move in our lives. So no longer am I a victim, but I am walking as a victor. That is what God's power does in our lives. And even look at, look at Paul as he's writing this right now, right? He's sitting in a prison cell. I'm sure his situation seemed really bad. And this wasn't the first time he was in prison. He had been in prison before. So if anyone had the right to feel like things just keep happening and happening and happening to me, why do I keep doing this? It's Paul. Yet in every situation, in every circumstance, he still, his message was, God is powerful. There is hope in God. God can save you. His faith never failed in God. He trusted God even in the hardest of circumstances of his life. So living in God's power is believing that only God can save us, no matter how far gone our life seems. Living in God's power is trusting that only God can give us the hope that we need as we walk through the darkest of circumstances. Throughout my life, there's been situations or seasons in my, in my life that I have seen God's power move, that I can look back on those moments that some of those things felt like this is going to be the thing that's going to take me out. This is going to be the thing that's going to crush me. This is the situation that's going to break me. But as I look through each one of those situations in my life, I can look back and I can honestly say that it was God's power that got me through it was God's power who brought me from that point to out of it. It's God's power that brought me from what should have broken me to this point today. As a young girl whose father had walked out on her, my dad wanted nothing to do with me. And the feeling of hopelessness, a lack of self-worth, because if my own dad couldn't love me, why would anyone else? Feeling abandoned and broken, Yet it was God's power that moved in my life that restored my identity from fatherless to a daughter. Walking through a miscarriage, having doctors say, that baby is gone. Feeling the pain of that. Yet it was God's peace that carried me through and brought me to the other side. Through back-to-back -back deaths in our family, what was honestly the darkest season in my life. Yet it was God's joy that got me through that time of despair. Through financial struggles when it, in seasons where it felt like there is no way we're gonna make it. Yet God faithfully provided every step of the way. It's all in God's power. It's God's power that changes us and when we allow him to move in our lives, we begin to shift our perspective and shift how we live our lives. That we no longer walk defeated. 
We no longer walk um, hopeless. We're no longer held back. We're no longer held in bondage to, to the things of this world. When we live in God's power, we stop striving to overcome and we start living as we truly are, as overcomers. So this is Paul's prayer for us. That we may know God, that we may have a personal relationship with him. That we may have hope and remember that God made a way for each and every one of us through Jesus. And that we may live in God's power. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your great um, love for us, God. God, I just pray for every person in this room this morning. And I don't know where you're at, but maybe you're walking through a struggle. Maybe you feel like the waves of life are just crashing down on you and you just can't catch a breath. You're just drowning in circumstance and situation after situation. I just want you to know that God is, he's, he hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you alone that he sees you and he hears you and he's walking beside you. And God, I just thank you so much for, um, for this church, God. And we just pray that um, as, we, as we respond, God, that you would speak to each one of us, that you would move in our lives, that you would heal those places in our heart, bring peace where there needs to be peace, God. Bring your comfort and your love and your joy. Flood our hearts with your light, Jesus. God, I just thank you so much and we just pray that you would move this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.